Welcome to another day in paradise. I'm your host, Karamia Dalala, And on today's episode, I invited my friend Kate to come on and talk to you a little bit about what it's been like being an ambitious woman who is now married. Kate, welcome. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited and nervous. (laughs) Everybody (laughs) starts that way. Um, So I look forward to talking to you. Can you give us a little bit of a brief background about your career and what you do currently and, you know, go from there? Yeah. So I am in medical device sales. I um, started off with a company just as a W-2. Then after a while, based on my relationships, I took several 1099 jobs and, you know, I've created my own business. Um, I've always believed like multiple income is better than one and I'm able to like kind of keep it all in one industry. So yeah, that's where I am today. Awesome. And so basically thinking back to like when you were a child, uh, I know you had mentioned to me before that, you know, you got a job at 16 years old. You, you realized you didn't have the means that some of your friends were having when you transitioned into a private school. Yeah, I was actually 15 when I got my first job. Um, when I was all the way up until ninth grade freshman, I was in public school. And then I transferred to a private school because I was a little troublemaker. And all of the kids there really had like access to a lot of income. It felt like, you know, on the weekends, people would be like, hey, you know, mom, dad, can I get some money? And their parents would give them like a hundred bucks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're just going to the movies. Do I need a hundred dollars? So I wanted to get a job and have my own income and not kind of have to have the pressure to ask my parents. So I worked at Applebee's when I was 15 as a server. Um, and then on Sundays, they would let me serve tables because alcohol wasn't served. And then from there, I really served tables until after college because I always wanted to have my own income to support myself because my parents didn't necessarily have the means to do it, which is totally okay. I think that's Well, began my work ethic, to be honest, Um, just being able to find a way to provide myself and still do it all, like see my friends. I did cheerleading in college. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we all kind of have humble beginnings. Like I would completely agree with that. If you start to interview or really talk to females that are ambitious and I would say I have I had a similar drive. I grew up in a school that system that had very mixed. It was public school. Um, I grew up, you know, upper middle class. We had nice stuff, but there was always going to be those kids that had the bigger houses and the nicer neighborhoods and everybody had new cars. And so I wanted a new car and my parents were like, cool, you can get a new car and we'll help you, but we're not going to buy it. You've got to go out and work for it. So at 14, I begged to get a job and I said, anywhere will take me, please. My mom took me to McDonald's and it was a very small schedule, but I started out my first job at McDonald's at 14 years old, working weekends, holidays, spring break, and started to have a paycheck. And the, the cool thing was a lot of my friends did have similar like needs to have their own money. So they went out and got jobs. So like a lot of my immediate friends growing up, they were people who we all worked starting from a young age. Um, not to say I didn't have friends that didn't work anywhere, did never worked in college, but, um, I had a similar thing. So I just kind of looked at people around me and thought, Oh, I want what they have. I'm not intimidated by it. I want to have these things. I want to be able to go out and go to the, get a soda pop or go to a movie. And and, and I want to have a nice car and I want to do this stuff. And I knew like where my parents could help me and where, and where they couldn't. And my mom and dad always did like, especially my mom went out of her way to provide for us um, and give us everything. But I wanted like more than you should be getting a clunker at at 16 years old, you know, and I was driving a brand new car off a lot. Um, So yeah, it kind of started there for me too at a young age. 
and then tell me a little bit about like college life and what what drove you through college and where what kind of made you arrive at where you are now because i know you mentioned maybe i was going to be a doctor or i had other paths that i was going to take but you always were driven by money like you always wanted a career that was going to make you money yeah i mean going back just a little bit too for me it was a huge part i think you know i don't really know because i didn't have like a just undisposable income from my parents. But even if I did, I really have never been the type to want to be reliant on someone else. So I actually like liked having my own money. Like ultimately it helped me have like time management and work ethic while you're in high school, you're in college. You know, I, I cheered in uh, college. I got a scholarship. It was very minimal, but we had practice every single night, Monday through Thursday, games on the weekends, basketball, football, and then competition. So I really could only work maybe Saturday doubles on Sundays. But like I said, I just, I wanted to have my own money. And I remember one of the um, first bartending jobs that I had at a restaurant called Verasano's in Midtown. I met like a lot of affluent people. And one of the guys I met, he said, you know, of all the jobs that you could get in sales, like there is just no ceiling. You can make in certain industries, you can make endless amount of money. And that kind of stuck with me. And then another one of my regulars, he was a, um, doctor and he met his wife who was a decent amount younger than him but she was a PA and she served with him and she was like you know because I was like oh doctors doctors make a lot of money in my head I was like oh I always want to be a doctor or like a veterinarian this kind of like my thought process and she was like just do PA school so I had my degree finally chose it by like my second year was pre-med then pre-PA and then they changed the requirements and I was like this is just really aggressive I might as well do medical school (laughs) you make a lot of changes it's hard you can always like say you want to pa- have a path, but when you get in college, it's just like really hard. You change a million times. I mean, that's why I was in school for so long. I like, you know, senior plus what we were talking about. Like, you know, <laughs> Seven that, years for you me. You know, four and a half, five. People okay. think I have a doctorate, you know, for the amount of time I, I spent mean, in college. I mean, we should. I tell myself <laughs> I do. That's like, you know, overly confident. But, you know, I switched and switched and then I ended up doing like OTPT, worked as an aide for a while. And I was like, oh, this is not for me. Like, you know, it requires a master's and now doctorate for both of them. It's just not what I wanted to do. So then I got back and I was like the cells. So I was like, you know, I think I would be good at cells. I really enjoy that. You kind of really get a taste of that truthfully serving tables. I mean, you're dealing with so many different types of people trying to upsell the food, multitasking. I mean, I think Serving tables is one of the hardest jobs in the world. If you work in like certain restaurants like you and I did working at Treehouse, having 12 tables to ourselves or the whole restaurant, like it's crazy. So I interviewed for a company called Stryker. I think everyone in the world, even if you don't know medical, you know what that is. Like when you go to the hospital, your beds are Stryker. They have so many different lines. And I made it pretty far because I think they took me initially because I did share. They liked that on my resume. And then the guy, like the VP was impressed by the way, like I spoke the way that I kind of like sold myself. And at the very end, he's like, I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, I'm impressed, but you don't have any experience. And we like to market ourselves as if we hire people in experience, but we really don't not for this position. You need to go out and get a job in sales. It doesn't have to be medical, like anything. And I was like, bet I'll be back. (laughs) So I didn't actually end up coming back because then I learned I don't want to work for like a big corporate company and the guy kind of pissed me off. But I did do sales and I worked for a company for several years. A friend of mine at the time helped me get the job. um, And I worked my way up. I worked really hard with that. And I did not get credit for a lot of the things that I did. Um, There were just higher ups, honestly, men in corporate America, it can be very difficult. So as soon as I had a recruiter reach out to me for medical sales, I did the interview just like 
for fun, not thinking I would get the job. I did. And six years later, here I am. And I would, I've been able to grow that into, like I said, multiple revenue streams. I'm not very micromanaged. My job is very, very flexible. Um, you know, I love my job. And really what we're talking about, ambitious women and dating, if you think about all of that, I college, that didn't affect me. You know, post-college, I served for a little bit longer before I started that sales job. Didn't really affect like the dating. I don't think I was ready. Some people do meet people in college and settle down and get married. That wasn't really my path. Um, Then when I had my first job, it was just also, but I will say in my late 20s, being successful, you know, buying my own home by myself, guys I dated, I do think were intimidated. I don't really know. Like in the beginning, it seemed like they thought it was really sexy and attractive. And then their insecurities would come out. Yeah. And, um, and that's interesting. So I want to, I understand where you're coming from in that drive and that desire. And I'm definitely like reason you're here today is because I feel like you can give some general insight. You know, I'm 38 years old. I graduated college from Georgia state university, same as you. And Throughout that process, it was seven years and I kept feeling like, oh, I'm going to meet my person here. But oftentimes I was working like two and three jobs. I was doing internships. I was doing everything I could to kind of figure out my path. I went from wanting to be a doctor to an entertainment lawyer to a consultant and then learned that wasn't really a real job. It takes years to get to a point where you're going to be something like that. And I said, okay, so what's the path from here? So I kind of just made my way through college, traveled a lot, gave myself experience, worked really hard. And like lived this really fun life where I got to travel to a bunch of different countries and eat a bunch of different foods and not miss out on concerts and do all this fun stuff. But at the same time, I was working a lot um, and I was in college. So there wasn't really like I thought I was going to meet my person in college and it didn't happen. And then I thought I was going to meet my person at work and that really didn't happen. And I graduated college and I was 30, you know, at this time I was about 25 and I said, well, well, you know, what's the next step? And I started to interview for jobs and I just I was getting a lot of those like Comcast, come sell Comcast in the grocery store job offers and nothing really like managerial. Like my degree had set me up to believe I'm going to graduate college and become a manager right off the bat. Like, no, they're like, you need experience. And similar to what you were told, just go out and get any job and then come back. Um, when I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I went through some interviews, pretty intense round interviews, got very close to getting jobs always got turned down over someone that had experience. No one was giving me a shot. I mean, I wrote a cover letter. Literally, it's I was famous for it. I mean, I got interviews based on this cover letter. And I just said, every person wants you to have experience, but nobody wants to take a chance on you. Nobody wants to give you experience. And in like this very raw, very straightforward cover letter, got me four or five interviews and really through the process pretty far. But at the end, I always lost out to somebody that was either a male or somebody that had more experience. And in most cases, it was typically a male because I was interviewing for jobs similar to you, trying to find jobs where I was going to make a lot of money doing sales or doing um, recruitment and things that I thought I would be good at. But I just couldn't find it. And my mom came to me and said, do real estate with me. And I had done that with her as a part-time gig in college. And I said, okay. So I got licensed, started selling houses, became a realtor with her, did that for many years hit 30 said, I'm not living out any kind of passion. You know, I, this is a fun, I love it, but it's not my passion. Food is my passion. When you look at me, you can tell that. (laughs) And, um, I love feeding people. I love the way food makes us feel. I love the togetherness of food. It's always been like a bonding thing for me. Like I will not date you if you don't share food. 
Yeah. I will not probably eat out with you if you don't share food. I mean, me and my friends, you know, you're, you're one of my good friends. We sit down, we order everything for the middle and just eat. Yeah. Um, so I said, well, you know, I wanted to revisit this idea of owning a mobile food truck. So at 30, I had my birthday. I went to my mom. I said, will you do this with me? She said, if you can get the truck, I'll bring the recipes. We'll do this. And we started Meatballers, which was our first um, venture. And it was a tiny little $31,000 junker that looked so cute. It was a pig with lipstick. I mean, this truck looked so cute when we saw it on the internet. We had to have it. And we didn't know anything about used vehicles at that time. We didn't know anything about anything, really. I'd never been in the back of the house. I'd spent most of my life in the front of the house. Um, aside from like when I worked for Waffle House, where you just all of the house. So you just do everything there as a job. Um, and so to wrap it up in summation from there is we've grown that business, uh, into, you know, two food trucks, a standalone location, you know, catering business. And we just recently purchased an Airbnb. So, I mean, yes, to say like, I have a full plate, I do. And I've always been looking for love like my whole life, but I think I have been a victim of the romantic penalty, which is something that women suffer from being ambitious and successful has been documented before that people find ambitious women intimidating. I mean, do you know the definition of ambition? I mean, I have my version. What is ambition to you? Kate Watkins. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but that's awesome. And it's very real. So basically causing someone to feel, um, no, I'm looking at my wrong difference. Ambition is a strong desire to do or achieve something typically requiring determination and hard work. So this seems like a positive trait. Like you would look at ambition and say like, Ooh, that's a sexy trait to have in a person. But unfortunately, what happens is being ambitious and being a woman makes us intimidating and it causes, quite frankly, someone to feel overawed or cowed as through force of personality, superior display of wealth, talent, rank, etc. That is the textbook definition. Do you think that's why um, men don't like to share the food on their plate? I think it's everything. That's like my ADD mind. I'm like thinking about, have you ever been on a date with a guy that didn't share Oh, it's crazy. His food. Wouldn't even let you taste it. Oh my God. What a freak. That's my husband. I mean, and honestly, I don't want to taste most of what Matt's eating anyway, so it doesn't matter. But, um, you know, that's the thing. So what happens is through being ambitious, we become intimidating. And as a result of becoming intimidating, research tells us that we are suffering a romance penalty. So for you, your romance penalty was maybe like sacrifice. And what I feel like this didn't really happen until my later years when I started my own businesses to where I really felt like I couldn't, you know, go out and do the things with my friends because I was constantly working. I was working. I couldn't be out there in the yeah. social groups. I couldn't be doing the things I loved anymore. Honestly, this business that I love was now sucking up every other part of my life that I loved. So it was like through college and all those places I thought I would meet someone that didn't happen. Then I started my business and quite frankly became unavailable to make that happen. Yeah. Starting a business like you have is all consuming. So time consuming the hours that you work. I think it's, it's, it's very, very difficult for sure. I mean, romance penalty for me, I don't, I I think really the biggest thing for me is i to society standards, I probably met someone and got married later in life. You know, there's like the stigma of women have these time clocks and it's very stressful, which I know you probably feel. So in my late 20s, I really had to constantly tell myself, like, I've never ever in my head had a goal, like get married by this date, have kids by this date. The only actual goal I ever had for myself was 
buy a home by 30, whether that was with a partner or by myself, like that was my goal. I mean, you were my realtor. I bought it when I was 28 and I was like very happy about that. And literally the first relationship I was in after buying a home was someone who was intimidated by my success. Like at first they really tried to like match the energy. And then as time went on, insecurities came out. And ultimately I think that was a lot of the demise, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, we can read research and we can do statistics to see, you know, do ambitious women tend to have struggles finding a man? According to modern research and even to, you know, Harvard and recent studies, no, it's a myth. So maybe it's this myth in my head that because I'm ambitious or because I'm, you know, perceived as an intimidating female, that it is holding me back. But research shows actually that 40% more women nowadays are more likely to get married because they have a higher education. Whereas, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people with less educational level were more likely to get married. It's now reversed. So, So studies and research are showing women who are successful or ambitious are more likely to get married. So why is that I have a stigma in my mind? I don't know that there's research on this or whatever, but I think from personal experience and what I've seen is, is not only are we our own worst critics, we tend to get in our own way. You know what I mean? If something doesn't work out, we really want to know why it didn't work out. So we're like blaming on something and then it becomes maybe like an issue in a next relationship or whatever. You know, we're always trying to do self work and like love ourselves. And it's very, very hard. You know, what's even hard is people will say, you know, when you're not looking for love is, you know, that's when we'll come along. And that is how it happened for me. So it is very weird, but that's not how it happens with everyone. Like some people do the dating websites and like Tinder Hinge and are very successful, not a ton, but some, I mean, sometimes people meet people organically through friends. The older you get, it is hard because people are like kind of married off. It's, it's hard to introduce like your single girlfriends to single guy friends because there might not be that many and you want to be compatible. You don't want to just like settle down just for the sake of time, but it's, it's hard, you know? So you start to look within what's wrong with me. Why, you know, why not me? And it might not be anything wrong with you or what is, I don't want to say wrong with you or whatever it is that that's not working out. Whatever you think we is holding miss, you back. We miss it. We miss it because we're looking at all the wrong things when it's maybe something simple. Maybe you're just, when you do date people, you're trying to offset your thought of the way you are and you act different that it comes off in a weird way. I don't know. Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to kind of talk on something because you had mentioned to me and I would love to really touch on this that, you know, for you, because confidence and ambition, right, that obviously have to come together. You have to be a confident person to go out and start a business or go into a man's world and try to, you know, rise up and make all this money and and all that stuff. And, And also, you know, listen, not everyone's motivation in life is money and that's okay. You don't have to be motivated by money. Yeah. For me, Everything I love in life takes money. That's just the truth. I mean, I love to travel. It takes money. I love to eat nice food. I like to eat at a street cart. doesn't matter. I need money for that. You know, I like nice things. Got to have money. So for me, success has always been linked to money and financial. Um, But you had mentioned that you just, it seems like in your career and in your love life, you had an inability to not settle. Yeah. To just go through these relationships, take them for what they were not see every relationship that you were ever in as an end game to where you could keep your focus where it needed to be. And you could say to yourself, I will not 
settle. I will wait for the right guy that accepts me that isn't intimidated by my, my salary or my bank account balance because they, they like that about me. Yeah. Because that's what I'm seeking a power couple, you know, but it seems like, and even statistically research today shows ambitious women are more likely to marry less ambitious men and that there are less ambitious men than women in the world nowadays. What, what's going on, you know, and why is that power? Why can you not have the power dynamic be set like better together? You know, we're going to both be powerhouses and, you know, have more together. You know, I don't know if it's like we're not that far away from like our parents and generations of, you know, before them, how they were raised very traditionally. Like the husband made all the money. He went to work. The wife stayed at home and raised the children. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm actually fine with like any scenario, whatever as long as the person people are happy like if they're in agreement they're all happy they feel equals in their roles like i'm i support it all but i do think that men raised by men raised by men that are the man of the house and make all the money it's it's different it's, it's harder emasculating. it's emasculating yeah so men will feel that way i think women are you know making more money it's not really where it needs to be in the workplace so like all these roles are transitioning now but we're raised in such a different way it's really like kind of like a i don't know if i'm allowed to cuss on here but like yeah, a, it's, oh, a, it's we're, we're x-rated it's so a mind fuck cuss. it's all a mind fuck like <laughs> you know timelines and who and when to marry and you know how much money to make but up. let's be honest why it's is just, there a real timeline let's be honest well for females biology, biology. There's a biological timeline for yeah. females that quite frankly Congratulations, Al Pacino. Congratulations, Robert De Niro. You two are about to become parents pushing 90 years old. And I'm sure a Shocking. lot of listeners are like, oh, but you know, now there's so much science and stuff like that. If you're you rich, know, if you yes, have money. Financial okay? or if you work for a company <laughs> that covers it. But even with that being said, what people do not realize is even if you do like get your eggs frozen, if you don't make it an embryo, it is just an egg. And there is a huge possibility when they unfreeze them, they don't survive. So there, people don't really think past that. There's actually so much more. It's very scary. Um, and you have to, I mean, I'm very faith-based. So like I rely on God's plan and stuff like that. And that's me personally, maybe not everyone else. So like that's what has always given me comfort. But for some people, regardless of all that, it is scary to think if you want a family, what if I can't? So you lean towards that, but that might not even like work either. So we're, we're just constantly stressed about having kids more than we are. I mean, I'm guilty for it too. I really am. Like I have been there before. I'm like, you know what? I probably am. Like I will just maybe marry a person so I can have a family. Or I will like before I met my husband, I was just like in a place where like I've dated people that I could definitely have married, but I just knew it wasn't the one, you know, great people, but not the right match for me. But I wanted to have kids no matter what. I know you feel this way too. So I'm like, should I... Yeah, it's, just it's, wing it, it by myself. Should I let the faith? That's how many people. You know, you know how many times a week I'm asked by people like, "Why don't you just have a kid on your own?" Or you know, "Why don't you?" Because that's not the ideal that I hold in my brain of what yeah. I want for my future. I want. I believe research shows. I'm sorry to say it. It shows in many ways having two parents doesn't even matter what what type of just having two people in the home to contribute to give love to give whatever because kids do need that it's better. They, I mean, I, I statistically shows, you yeah. know, you have less behavioral issues and less issues with long-term and 
we can look at the studies that show that and we can sit here and read the research. But the bottom line is everybody has their idea of how their family should look. And for me, when people constantly ask me, like, why don't you just do it on your own? It's like, uh, because I want to have a partner in this. Yeah. I want my child to see partnership and then go on to be a good partner to someone else. I mean, I, I think all those things are what any, like, what my natural instinct is. I don't want to say anyone because I don't like to make generalizations, but I'll say for me, like you have your faith base. I'm a very spiritual person. I do believe there is a plan, but that I think that when I date now, it's like, look who's talking. And I was watching Christy Alley and look who's talking. And she's sitting at the date table saying, you know, um, I, my biological clock is ticking. And I just remember <laughs> that thinking, God, how embarrassing you have to think about that on a date. I wish but we could get do. rid of that thought process, but it's almost impossible because it's a reality. Um, I wish there was like a, a better solution. Because it's, it always just seems in society, it had to be a sacrifice. It had to be, you're yeah. going to be an ambitious woman or you're going to be a mom, but you can't be both. I want to be both. I've watched other people be both. You're showing right now that you're going to be both. You know, you're married, you're working hard, you're making money. Your husband's building a new, you know, empire on his end of the world too. He's doing stuff. He's a entrepreneur and a go-getter like you. I want to believe that my person out there is out there that's like that that wants to see me succeed and lift me up but also like succeed succeed next to me because i don't like i like some level of masculinity in a man i'm i don't yeah, feel all too. masculinity is toxic i feel yeah. we have to like understand that we can be feminine we can be masculine they can be everything in between and there doesn't have to be toxic levels of anything and then there is yeah you can be manly without being an asshole you can be manly without being abusive you can be manly without being these certain things yeah. But like, have I experienced that? I am 38 years old. I've grown up on online dating. I've been single for a majority of my life. And what I've experienced is things that men will say to me along the lines of like, well, you're such and such years old and look at you, you're no position to make demands. And I'm like, I'm asking you to meet me in public and go on a date. If that's a the fucking demand that I'm not going to be met halfway, bye. Yeah. And I would say bye to those people too. I mean, this is like my thought process for like Atlanta for Georgia, there is significantly more, I don't know about significantly, but like definitely ratio men to women. There's more women than there is men. We're also like in the South. So people do traditionally like meet people very young, like you're saying high school sweethearts, college. So it does become like less. And I'm also not like going to college. You could be very ambitious, start your career and get married for me. Like it just, I don't know. I was trying to accomplish way too much. We're looking up to see 80,000 more single women than men in Atlanta. According so I don't know to if the Atlanta like, Journal Constitution. Yeah. So I think it's hard. You know, I don't know. 80,000 more women. That means there's 79,000 more women out there competing for every single man than me. Ooh. But I mean, that's Well, you know, truth. like 79,999. Oh, God. Way to really, way to really <laughs> dumb it down. I was trying to pretend 988 of them or whatever. We're, we're really competition, okay? Yeah, they're like in <laughs> South, South Georgia. So, but, uh, but, you know, the point is that it's true. It's statistically speaking, we're in one of the worst states for dating. We know so that. So maybe guys just ranked... think that. I mean, even like my gay friends, like Atlanta is such like a common gay community they're like it's so hard to date like even you know, i don't know i don't know if it's like i don't know if we can even blame it on this it is something i don't know like maybe we need a man on the yeah, podcast and the next week i'm gonna bring my brother so he'll and, have them, and he's the perfect person but like but yeah i mean it's so that's kind of where it, and i think what 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 research on paper shows me um is that 
my success and stuff should not matter and that yeah. I shouldn't be single because research and reality is not always like perfectly like <laughs> lined up. I, it's yeah. not, I mean, I'm in the medical field, so I know way too many examples of that. Like, you know, the studies show this and then I see, you know, a patient that defies all like they're an anomaly. So, I mean, it definitely happens way more in the real world and dating. It's hard. And when did you discover like, like your partner, your husband was the one? Like, what was your, he has the defining moment that he told me, uh, uh, which is a big, was a wake up call for me, which was about the first time y'all hung out. And he said to me, I talked to her for like 35 minutes straight, just going on and on about all my problems and everything and sitting on this dock. And then she just sat there and like, listened to me. And then at the end she goes, so what are you going to do about it? Uh-huh. She didn't like, give me her opinion. She didn't interrupt me. She didn't do any of that. She just genuinely listened to me. And then she said, and what, what's the plan then? Well, after 30 minutes and a bottle of Ciroc, I was like, okay, (laughs) thank you for, um, I was about to bill him for therapy. No, I'm just kidding. You know, I learned someone being so open at that time. That was like very interesting for me. I was just got out of a kind of a serious relationship for him. He just got, or was at the end of a marriage going through a divorce. So we, I was just trying to be his friend for someone random that I met listening to him. I mean, you know, whether you know someone or not, you can kind of get the vibe. And when you're not friends, you really don't want to insert your opinion a lot. Like sometimes people just want to vent. They don't want your opinion. I could very clearly see that he was like hurting and just needed to vent. So I really did listen to him and try to like support him. I did not know any of that. Um, you know, earlier in that day when I met him, he was like very like bubbly and having a day. So when he opened up, um, that was interesting. And as we got to know each other, like, he's so funny. Like, I mean, I said at our wedding, people always ask me, like, my favorite attribute is like, he makes me laugh in my friendships and my relationships, everything. Like, I like to be entertained, to be honest. And he's like an entertainer. So I love that. And he's just like loyal, like very, very genuine. I, I knew that from day one. And we probably like it wasn't like love at first sight but like almost love it, well, you, I remember the snapchat okay, yeah. she snapped this guy on a jet ski I'm like who is this guido looking guy with the waxed up <laughs> hair and she's like this guy I'm gonna marry this guy and I'm like that guy you know because I was thinking that that couldn't have been the guy but yeah. you know at the end of the day I think and he constantly tells me all the time like I love how hard Kate works I love yeah that Kate is ambitious I love that Kate wants these nice things because like he came out of a marriage where the person he was with kind of was opposite. She was not motivated. She expected the more traditional role. Yeah. I mean, I I think more than anything, him and I had similarities and we were in cells. So like when I said I did cells, he was like, you know, we can vibe on that level. Our personalities were very similar in that and aggressive having to go out and like chase it. So that was really good um, for us. And then things, you know, as you get to know each other from there, it worked out. So I got very, very lucky that he found all of that. Like when he said that he found it to be sexy, that I was like motivated. He really did mean it. It wasn't like some guys, of course, like, no, he still men, talks about it men love. Day. I mean, men do love a smart woman and a motivated woman, but when it does come to maybe them making more money than you, it can be emasculating. You know what I mean? So I don't know if like, you know, people should not discuss those things at first until you're like about to get married or like, you know what I mean? Like we did like like our point, you know, I always feel like unpeel the onion sooner rather than later. You know, maybe that's part of why I'm still single too. Cause I'm like, make them cry, honey. You know, cause I'm just like, peel these layers. I would wait for several months to like dig too deep, like let a man court you. Cause that's going to make him, I don't, yeah. And I don't feel a certain type of way. And then you can start doing nice things for him. I mean, oh, we kind of talked about this too. 
I was very successful in my first job too and made, I took a huge pay cut to jump into medical device sales. And then I like worked my way up to where I was now, but like, I didn't like spend that money and wasn't very like frivolous. So I don't think like at the time anybody really knew um, how much I was making. Look, I don't and make so, any money. I'm ambitious. I'm poor. So no, maybe no, that I don't was get helpful. I don't know. <laughs> I'm ambitious, but I'm broke. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, they're yeah. not the same. Running multiple businesses and all this stuff is leading to, you know, multiple streams long-term. Like that's yeah. what we hope comes up. I mean, we hope we get there, but I, I sacrificed everything I felt comfortable, everything I loved. I, I had a serving tables in a real estate career that was booming. I was a single female I was making good money and traveling on nice vacations and all that. I right. sacrificed all that. So financial security, I think it does play into your confidence level. And I think for me, that's what it, it is. may not seem like to the outward people. I seem like this very confident person. Like when I meet people and I'm out there and I'm not saying I'm not confident. I'm just saying there's, there's gotta be energies or vibes that are coming off of me that are making me not be the end game choice for people. And, and I have to analyze those things. My inability to listen. I did better today, y'all. Okay. I didn't talk over as much, <laughs> but I mean, my inability to listen, to really be non-judgmental. Uh, I'm judgmental. It's a terrible trait. I'm trying to work on it. I want to be better. I grew up around judgmental parents. So I became a judgmental person. That's not an excuse. I'm an adult now, right? Childhood trauma has to be at some point dealt with and you got to be a better person. And I recognize that now as I look back on even just this last relationship that ended is like, I was judgmental in the conversation. I am constantly trying to fix men. I am constantly trying to assert my opinion and that shit gets exhausting. Yeah. So I think like the takeaways from everything today and for what I feel in summation is like, Maybe ambition isn't the reason I'm single. And maybe sacrificing certain opportunities isn't the reason I'm single. Maybe it's deeper than that. Yeah. Because society has certain guidelines and then research tells us certain things. Research says this stuff shouldn't be affecting you in the modern times. Nowadays, it makes you more attractive or more like a partner. Now, who you may settle on as a partner, that's different. You know, you may have to choose someone less ambitious, whatever, whatever. So as you kind of zone in on what you want, and you refuse to settle, the pool gets smaller and you have to just understand that and you have to keep pushing forward. And I think I have to remove the blockages that are, like you said, stop going on dates and thinking about the biological clock. Stop putting pressure and maybe just try to be more open, try to listen more, right? Because I don't, obviously that's hard. That's hard. And it's hard to be a good communicator. Um, so I think like, having you here today makes me realize like you can be all these things. You can be confident. You can date people along the way that aren't necessarily the one that's okay. Not everything is end game. The right person will come in its due time and they will respect everything about you. And yeah. they won't, they won't bother be bothered by it. And you won't feel the need to not to say we don't make each other better or whatever, but to change the other person. Yeah. And I hope that like, kind of to wrap it up on my end, what all your listeners get from this. Like we're obviously just two best friends talking like we usually do. This is not the first time we've had this conversation, but it's different every time we have this conversation. Like we grow as people, we figure out new realizations after dates, after situations in our life. So everyone just like always be able to take 
a look at yourself in the mirror and love yourself, but also be able to continue to like work on yourself. And if you're going out on dates and it doesn't work out, like if you're not interested or, you know, if they feel like they're not interested and tell you, like ask them why, like get feedback from guys. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you're really never going to speak to them again, you know, definitely don't feel rushed to settle down, but at the same time, be open. I mean, I tell you this all the time. Like we as women sometimes like have a list of what we want. And then if I were, I mean, I personally have never really had a list. I had like, you know, my hard nose and like things that I would like. And Matt is not necessarily all of those things. But then like, as you're with someone and you marry someone and you discover so much about them, you're like, I am so glad that like it ended up being this way. It's was God's plan. It was way better than I could have like ever imagined. It's actually perfect for me. Um, and I know that's annoying for people to hear sometimes, but I do believe that. I believe that for everyone. Well, and I you think, went through toxic relationships. You went through relationships yeah. that were just, they weren't anything, but they just weren't anything. You know, yeah. I mean, you've done all of that. So it's okay to say and, and embrace and arrive at this ending where you say like, yeah, I did finally get the guy. I got the prince. I got my ideal person. Yeah. Even though it didn't even look like the package I thought I was going to yeah. come in. And don't think just because like people's relationships look perfect or because you argue a lot because me and Matt, we have plenty of arguments and stuff like that, but it still is its own like way of being perfect. So like women that see on social media or whatever it is, and I think this is preached about enough, like things look like they're perfect or you see relationships. Like I have friends in relationships where like they're really happy with certain things that like it doesn't translate to mine. It wouldn't, it would maybe be boring in my relationship or it would be like annoying or whatever. And they like, like it. So don't look at other people's relationships and don't think that when you get in arguments or things are imperfect, that's like a time to run away and end a relationship. Like, I mean, you got to like push. So you got to go through a lot of shit to get to where you want to be. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's something we should definitely, you know, circle back around at another, another conversation. It's just like, why we give up on really everything, you know, we give up in life in general. I, I think I've been told 50 times I should give up on my businesses yeah, and move on to different things because people don't understand. Oh, and definitely don't ever give up on your career. And le- I mean, like, <laughs> you know, not for something like that. Like someone at the office makes you feel like shit. Like, no, 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 no. Like I never allowed that to happen. But if you want to like not work and be a stay at home mom and that's your love and your passion, like don't let anyone make you feel bad for that either. That's okay. Like just be your most authentic self. And I think authenticity exudes confidence in a way. And that is so sexy and that is so attractive. And we men, talk about men like that, you know, authenticity, you know, and that's the thing, you know, I, I think it's soul searching too. And, um, you know, getting to the bottom of how much of my identity is really me, how much of my identity is what I want people to think is me, uh, you know, and, you know, we're going to talk in later episodes about therapy and how I really thought that was a weakness. And so I definitely want to invite you guys back um, next week to talk more about just these things that are on all of our mind, you know, so I invite you to like, share, you know, tell your friends about the podcast. If you're enjoying it, shoot me some feedback, Kara at another night You can also follow me on social media, another night in Caradise on uh, Instagram. And I definitely post my links there and carry me Lala on Facebook. I invite you to follow me there. Um, there's no part of my life. I don't want to share with you guys. So that's the truth. I, I want you to see it all. So come follow me coming out. Tell me if you relate. Thank you so much, best friend. Yes. Kate, thanks for, for having me. Here. This was fun. Thank you. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week.